Welcome to the SDR Disco Call vidcast and podcast, a show designed for brand new sales reps working in the world of tech sales. I'm your host, Neil Buyan, and I'm going to be taking you on a journey on the SDR Disco Call vidcast and podcast. Did you know that you can watch this show live with the guests on YouTube? This show is available on YouTube at happyselling.io. Hello listeners and watchers, welcome to another episode of the SDR Disco Call Show. I'm your host, Neil Buyan, and if this is your first time joining our show, this show is all about helping sales development reps or SDRs by getting insights into career progression, tips, best practices, and normally we have SDRs or BDRs from around the world, and I'm pretty much the host and I guide them on this journey. But today we're going to take a little bit of a twisted track uh, and we're going to bring somebody a little bit different and somebody who's going to add some extra value for our listeners. So with this guest that we've got coming up, this is somebody that I actually met on a different social platform other than LinkedIn. Yes, I know. Uh, as some of you may be aware, in a couple of episodes back, I was mentioning about launching Happy Selling uh, on TikTok. And I got the TikTok bug and I started following a lot of people and liking a lot of content and then started networking. And I met this lovely gentleman. Guess, could you please introduce yourself? Who are you? I'm happy to be here. My name is Dale Yasudanga, and uh, I am a sales coach and consultant uh, working with individuals and companies to get the coaching that they uh, need so they can get the results that they deserve. Thank you very much, Dale, and a pleasure to have you on board on today's show. So as mentioned, I was on TikTok and I come across Dale and I see that he's got a lot of great bits of advice. He asked me to answer some questions, vice versa, and we got the talking. Uh, and I really loved uh, Dale's content. So again, I'll be putting some links to his TikTok account and highly recommend giving him a follow. Uh, but what's a little bit different for me today also is the time that we're doing this recording because we're on different sides of the world. But Dale, could you please tell uh, the audience, where are you based in the world today? Yeah, I'm in Honolulu, uh, Hawaii, out here in the middle of the Pacific. So I think if I dug a hole straight down, uh, I might pop up in Neil's recording studio. <laughs> Love <laughs> it. Side of the globe. <laughs> well, aloha and thank you very much for joining, Dale. Yeah, it's right now it's like coming up to just gone 8 p.m. UK GMT. And I was telling Dale that um, I had to do two gym sessions to give me some energy to stay away from this. But I'm super pumped and excited. Um, so Dale, you are what they call a sales coach as well, right? So you're kind of similar realms as myself. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about your business and kind of what do you focus on doing in your coaching biz? Oh, absolutely. So uh, I work with, you know, uh, both companies and individuals. For companies, I'm more of a consultant. You know, I help them understand um, how to improve their sales operating system, if you will. Um, a lot of it's centered around, you know, the theme around rep development, coaching, helping them kind of skill up so that they can produce uh, the results that they want to see and ultimately what the company wants to see. Uh, and the other half of my business is individual coaching. I work with um, individuals of some SDRs, AEs, enterprise, uh, you know, folks on who either feel like they haven't gotten coaching or mm. sort of reached this plateau and they want to kind of take it to the next level and they're looking for just a, a different take or different perspective to guide them through one-on-one -on -one coaching. So, you know, I really help people. Uh, I tell them I'm like their business partner when I'm working with them. It's mm. more of sort of you know, 
taking things apart and figuring out, okay, what has been working great and how can we fine tune and refine things to be better and better. I absolutely love that. Thank you so much for sharing. And for the listeners and watchers, um, I'll be putting links so you can check out Dale and find out more about his services as well. Um, but as a gentle reminder for all our listeners and watchers, um, please make sure that you give us a rating in your local podcast platform. You can also send us voice notes through your podcast as well at the bottom of the show notes. And if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, please give us a comment, like, and subscribe and share. Uh, and if you have any thoughts or feedback or questions for the guests, please drop them in the comments below. Um, so Dale, just before we go into like looking at your, you know, your accounts and like your social profiles, what does Dale in Hawaii like to get up to outside of sales? Yeah, so obviously Hawaii is uh, a beautiful place, uh, mm. a lot of nature, things like that around. So uh, lately, I've been spending you know time with my daughter. She's about to be two years old, so um, she can be out and about a bit more. So she loves going to the beach, the zoo, the aquarium. Uh, me personally, uh, me and my wife, we love traveling. Uh, we would, you know, I guess you would consider us foodies. We usually travel to places um, because we want to eat somewhere, and mm -hmm. everything else around that is incidental and, and you know nice. I'm um, so really passionate about that and I uh, uh, have a hobby in kind of just photography and, and technology as well, which, you know, kind of helped me get started on some of the social media platforms. And, and mm. so, yeah. I love that. And being foodies in like Hawaii is a place that I dream to go to one day. It will happen. I'm willing it into the universe. Uh, and also being a foodie myself, I love food. I love trying new foods from around the world. What's the typical Hawaiian diet? If you don't mind me asking, so uh, we're we're really eclectic. It's a it's a big melting pot, as maybe cliche as that sounds, because you have immigrants from everywhere that you know came here. Uh, you have you know folks from European descent, the missionaries that came, and then when the sugar plantations were open, you have folks coming in from you know, Japan, China, mm. Philippines, like all over. And so the typical, I wouldn't say that there's typical, except that we really like our starches, so rice. Uh, it's, it's a big uh, thing out here, boy. But um, you get a lot of great sort of uh, fusion of different cuisines. Uh, mm -hmm. There's definitely like a local style to almost any category. There's there's definitely like a Hawaii version of Japanese cuisine, for example. Mm. And it kind of borrows from some of these other cultures that are here. Uh, obviously, a lot of fish-based things because we're mm -hmm. right in the middle of the Pacific and, uh, you know, the boats coming in. Uh, bring us fresh fish and seafood. So uh, a lot of things centered around there. But really, if I were to describe it, I think it's about uh, Hawaii-style eating is, is usually more, uh, we say the word is ohana, it's, it's family of Hawaiian. So a lot of it is like pop luck, you know, shared dishes, things that you would sit with your friends or family and, and share um, is kind of the, the typical sort of Hawaii eating experience. I, I'm so, uh, I, I can assume like with all of, I guess, if you're listening to this, uh, on your way to work or watching this on your lunch break, this is making me hungry. And I really definitely want to try out some foods. But again, thank you so much. I'm, I digress because uh, I'm hungry. But anywho, so uh, if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, as you know, we love to share our screens and check out uh, some social profiles. So obviously, I want to give a shout out to Sales with Dale on TikTok. Dale has a ton of videos and best practices. And again, it's just like a sales library from my point of view. So make sure that you do give them a follow, highly recommended. 
And coming over to your LinkedIn, it was quite weird because normally I connect with either salespeople through LinkedIn, but I connect, you were first one of the first I connected on TikTok and then found you on LinkedIn. We found each other, right? Um, but I love, you know, like, uh, again, for all our listeners and watchers, there'll be a link to links to Dow LinkedIn if you want to connect with him or, you know, ask him any questions. But I love this where in your tagline, it says sales coach helping hungry sales reps smash their numbers and blow up their comp. College dropout to top of 5% income via B2B sales, daily posts, pics and videos about sales at Silverdale on IG, TikTok and Twitter. So looking at your LinkedIn profile, Dell, and going to experiences, you have a very, very cool career and you have a very cool story about how it all began. But for our listeners and watchers, um, working as a business sales rep at CompUSA, Xerox, uh, working at Canon, Marco, uh, Toshiba, you know, these giants, uh, a vice president at Atlas Insurance, uh, you are host and sales coach uh, for Sales Mastery Crew, and obviously um, Sales Mastery Coach like the last couple of years through your own business. So Dal, for our listeners and watchers, can you kind of take us back to the beginning of that cool story of how this all kicked off for you, sir? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, you know, was was young when I got into sales. I was nineteen, uh, going on twenty, and did, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So uh, much to uh, my family's dismay, I decided to drop out of school after one after uh, college, university after one semester, hmm. with the plan that I would go back. I was like, oh yeah, let me get some real world experience, decide what I wanted to do, and then go and and, and make the investment pay for um, you know the credits to to get that degree. Yeah. But um was working just, you know, at, at CompUSA, made it into the business team. And this gentleman walked in one day to purchase a computer that was in like the Sunday ad. And, um, you know, I, I they don't train uh, most retail and, well, a lot of uh, sales roles. You're sort of just thrown into it. And so unbeknownst to me, um, anytime a customer would ask me for help, I would ask them how, you know, what are they looking for? And I was doing mm. discovery before anybody told me that's what was going on. <laughs> And uh, found out that he wanted to buy a computer for his son to to use for graphic design. And I'm like, okay, there's no way a $600 computer pre-built, you know, from HP is going to do that mm. for you. So he ended up walking out the store with, a, you know, a custom built uh, with all the right specs and things like that. And um, at his car, we we're loading everything in his car. And he gives me his card and says, hey, you know, it was a Saturday. So you're going to call on Monday. Uh, your interview with my managers, you're going to come work for us and you're going to make more money working for us than you can wow. ever make in retail. And he ended up being a uh, vice president at Xerox. Poor and God. so I, again, I was 19, I was about to turn 20, like two, three months. And I went to the interview, I got the job and thought, boy, you know, uh, it's a you know, $40,000 salary. And mm-hmm. so to make six figures in a couple of years, uh, I'll have those student debt. I'll go in and try this out. <laughs> did that and never looked back. That was 15 some odd years ago now and uh, never, yeah. never looked back. Wow. So like if if I get that right, so you know, deciding to to go into to employment versus the education piece right there and then. I've been there and I've done that myself. Um kind of getting introduced to tech, helping do a bit of discovery, figuring out what this guy really needs. And like you said, unbeknownst to you like taking that piece of equipment to his car and then he gives you the business card and says, Hey, we're gonna change your life, Dale. We're we're gonna put you in a whole like different place and as you said just shy of like coming up to 20 years old what was going through your mind like once you had accepted that job did you have to kind of like pinch yourself or did you feel out of depth what what was going through your mind when you actually got in yeah i mean definitely was you know feeling like 
you're a combination of anxious and, and uh, excited, but you know a little bit of imposter syndrome, like because you know mm-hmm. at the time Xerox was a Fortune 150, you know, well-established brands. Uh, you know, they're they're a household name. You know, it's like um, like you go grab me a Kleenex, right? So go make a Xerox copy. So it was sort of this uh, intimidating factor to go in, and then when you're uh, not only the newest member to a team, but also you know the youngest by quite a stretch. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of college degree. It can be kind of intimidating, and you feel like, okay, you know, am I am I really like prepared for this? And so there was definitely that sort of anxiousness. But I was really excited because, um, as I would later find out through different um, like you know Gallup Strength Finders and things like that, mm-hmm. one of my uh, strongest personal attributes is com- is competition. So. Yeah, that okay. really just kind of provide a fuel for me to say, hey, I, I can prove myself. I can do this. Um, and so it was sort of that mixture of excitement to prove myself and and make money uh, because I, you know, I was a broke uh, kid. <laughs> um, and also sort of nervousness about, oh, okay, like I'm entering into this kind of intimidating environment. The panel interview I did with the managers, it was five or six sales managers yeah. in, a, in, a, in a conference room with me and here's me. I didn't have any... Uh, professionally appropriate clothes at that time. So like okay. the weekend before my interview, I literally had to go and, and buy some, you know, some clothes around sales. <laughs> so, um, but it was really, uh, you know, that, that perfect balance of, of excitement and sort of hesitation. Yeah. I love that. And you know what, like with a lot of our like audience that are listening in, um, some of them may be going off to startups or some of them may take a, a bigger corporate company route. And similar to yourself, where you said, you know, there could be elements of imposter syndrome. You may be the youngest member on the team. This is a big dog company. What advice would you give to that person when they're coming through the doors to try and lessen that anxiety? Um, you know, because what may happen is they get so stressed out that they think they may not be able to cut the job and they may cut their career early because, you know, it could become overwhelming. What advice would you give to them, Dale? Um, that's a great question. So first piece of advice I give, and then eventually when I became a sales leader and I was hiring, uh, you know, these up and coming you know, young professionals and, and people who were, who were basically me 10 years in the past, yeah. um, I kind of gave them similar advice. So first is, you know, when you're going to any new environment, you need to go in there with what I call, you have to have your blinders on, meaning no matter how excited you are for any opportunity, really, um, you could think, Hey, this is going to be the the only company I ever work on, or you're so enamored with it that um, you're at that level of excitement. But if you, you know, allow yourself to listen to kind of negativity and excuses and things like that, and you let those things in, no matter how excited you started, you'll eventually kind of let that'll that'll beat you down. That'll lower your energy, your motivation to to tackle that challenge. So, first piece of advice would be, you know, head into anything sort of expecting that you're going to hear some negativity. You know, for example, when I first started in that role at Xerox, it was all Dale, you know, you're a nice guy, but you got the rookie territory. Mm. And hopefully you do well enough this year so that maybe next year when a better territory opens, you can ask to be reassigned. Or, or you know, that territory always sucks because it has this kind of client or whatever. And you kind of hear all these things, uh, especially from people that maybe when they first meet you, they don't uh, necessarily think you're going to to succeed. And so there's sort yeah. of, they can serve as confirmation bias. So really it's kind of having your blinders on, which ties into tip two is 
you need to really be focused on what it is that gotten you to have that opportunity because sales, you know, no sales leader I've ever met just goes, I'm going to hire you and take a pure shot. And if you work out, you work out. They all, you know, work to, and they all usually hire you because they see something there, some potential there. You bring something to the table, regardless if you're a 20 year veteran or you're a 19 year old, you know, college dropout. Uh, for me, mm-hmm. maybe I was bringing outside an outside lens up, you know, that rookie lens. Yeah. So just remember that even though you're new and maybe you're young and, and it's your first real uh, career job, that you still earn that role. You were bringing something to the table. So you want to yeah. leverage, kind of identify what those things are, and you want to leverage your strengths instead of being focused on what your weaknesses are, your, some usually perceived weaknesses. Those two things combined, so sort of tuning out the negativity, focus on what you can't control, and always remind yourself why you earned that role and what your strengths are that got you that opportunity, um, I think can really help people with that initial sort of nervousness or imposter syndrome, you know, that they feel heading into those new roles, whether it's a big company or, you know, an exciting dynamic startup. Uh, I think those uh, elements exist uh, across the board. That's some solid advice. Thank you very much for that, Dale. And I'm also curious to know, um, with, you know, working at Xerox, being this young guy, this is kind of like your first sales job and you're kind of cutting your teeth in sales here. Obviously, being a sales coach now, what was training and like onboarding like for a young rep back in the day? And how does it kind of compare to like the way people coach and you know yourself, how you train people today? What's what were the big differences that you saw? So back when, you know, I think when I started, a lot of companies were still doing the sales boot camp. So Xerox, you know, they they have you watch a bunch of videos on, you know, at your computer for a couple mm. of weeks and then they fly you off to some boot camp. In this case it was over in their their facility in Virginia, and you sit in this class with uh, a bunch of other new hires. And while, you know, I think you take away, you get out what you expect to get out. So if you go mm-hmm. in and it's, hey, I'm going to learn, I'm going to take things away um, from these styles of training. The challenge that ends up happening is, at least my experience with that, because I went to, you know, Xerox Bootcamp, Canada, Canada Toshiba Bootcamp, like all these big companies, <laughs> all this money. Uh, and their programs had some value, definitely. The challenge is that normally once you're through Bootcamp, you come back. And that's it. Like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Now it's, hey, we've trained you, sink or swim. Um, it's unlike, you know, sort of when you look at the highest performing team. So in the United States of America, right, we look at, for example, SEAL Team 6, right, really elite operators. Yeah. They're constantly training, learning new things, right? It's not, hey, you, don't, you didn't go to the basic and then go to SEAL camp and then that's it. That's it, yeah. You kind of keep refining. And that's the thing. Now, 15 to you know, 16 years later, that um, I still see that gap. And maybe it's even gotten worse because a lot of companies have divested from the in-person training. You know, They don't really fly you to, at least you don't, you don't kind of get that collaborative class in there anymore. It's, hey, watch these, these videos no. <laughs> or take this uh, digital course, um, which, and, but, you know, but then still sort of not provide the coaching. So- I think uh, you know today, and the reason why I sort of decided to to start my business was I saw that gap still existed from from my experience 15 years ago. That mm-hmm. there's this kind of fire hose training, if there is any training, but little reinforcement throughout. Coupled with the fact that a lot of companies mistake product training 
for sales yeah. trade. Yeah. Um, and, and, and they're not, you know, no, remotely. Not. So, uh, but that was my, you know, my experience working at those different companies. You know, again, great that they let you at least collaborate with others in a classroom, but unless you were sort of self-driven to go out and seek that reinforcement on your own, or you happen to have a good manager that would do that for you, yeah. most times it's just sort of kind of fell by the wayside, you know, after boot camp. I can definitely 100% relate to, to all of that. Um, and I think, you know, in my line of business where I'm either hired as like an SDR coach um, or helping like being a consultant and giving strategy, et cetera, like I normally meet with VPs of sales and it's normally when things aren't going right. That's kind of when they call Neil. Uh, and kind of the first questions I ask is like, what's the typical onboarding like for that sales rep? And what it sounds like is a two-week program. So week one, they meet people in their team and they watch a couple of product demos. They sit down with the account executives, see how they demo. Um, and then week two is, okay, here's some prospecting tools. This is how we use the prospecting tools internally. And at the end of the two weeks, they're like, right, here's a, a whole bunch of contacts. Go out and book some meetings. And I'm like, okay, sounds like what I've been through when I was a rep and similar other companies. And my question after that is, what happens next? And they're like, well, they just start prospecting. And I'm like, okay, I think we're going to have a problem here. Uh, and, you know, you have to kind of advise those people that, to your point, like learning is a continuous process, right? And I always say to my students, if I'm the smartest person in the room, I'm in the wrong room. I want to be the idiot in the room. I want to constantly be learning um, because I don't want to, you know, become complacent and get bored, you know? So, like, uh, and to, to your other point of, you know, there are some people that call me because they have great SDR managers they have been individual contributors, they've been reps themselves, they've been account executives, and then they've got to that point in the career where they're like, okay, I want to try out management. And then they try to go into this manager role where they're like, right, trying to lead a team on KPIs, operations, etc. They're doing one-to-ones, they're trying to push them further. But then when it comes to the coaching capacity, a lot of them may say to me, like, Neil, they're asking me questions of, I know how to do it, but I don't know how to answer it. Or, you know, I can give an answer to an extent, but I don't know how to coach them because I just kind of did it my way. And, you know, what I realized is to really be a good manager, not everybody has this in them um, and not to like put down any manager or anything, but I feel what's been good for me is somebody who's a manager that can do my day-to-day operations and KPIs, but also be a coach Mm -hmm. and help me coach and allow me to fail and then give me guidance of how to do it, but then how to make it my own. And the last point is they've got to be a great sales therapist because a lot of these young people have no idea what's going on. They're scared to hell. Uh, and having somebody that they can confide in without fearing that they're going to lose their job if they say their hand up that they're struggling or something like that. Um, and similar to myself, like I've, I've been in boot camps where you can get a lot of value and a lot of frameworks and you can learn a lot of stuff. But unless you're able to then apply it to real life and day to day and having that reinforcement week in, week out, you kind of forget it. You know, like 30 days after a training, you're probably only going to retain 10% of it. And you'll go back to 90% of bad habits. So it's that, I agree with you, it's that continuous thing. Um, so obviously with yourself, going back to your story where, you know, um, you've been the sales rep and then you're going into this sales leadership role, helping these young Dales that were doing your job before coming into the business. What did it feel like being a sales leader? Um, because we may have a lot of people that are listening to this show that may want to go down that line. How did that come about and what was going through your mind once you'd you attained this leadership position in sales. 
And so, you know, I had uh, taken kind of the middle step first. I went from being an independent producer to being uh, a sales specialist in a particular product category. So I didn't have direct reports, but, you know, I supported, I think it's 20 to 25 reps in a region as a subject matter expert on like a particular product set. And so I got to cut my teeth for a year, you know, on at least providing like that SME of the subject matter, you know, expertise coaching mm. without necessarily like, like having the direct report and hey, your your number is like, you know, it is part of my budget and things like that. Mm. Um, although, of course, you know, I was responsible for driving that, that product category. Then when I moved into sales leadership, having direct reports, um, I remember my first role, I there was a lot of challenges that I was going through because what I came to learn was that it's one thing to be a, a highly effective sales professional. It's another thing to teach somebody else how to, to execute at you know mm. to that degree. And uh, I, I, my first year as a manager, I found myself eventually becoming what I call the the uh, the uh, help is not helpful category. So I was <laughs> I was so obsessed with oh, I want to make my people successful. I want to make sure that they can do the they can hit their numbers at. I was basically doing a lot of their job for them, mm. which hindered their ability to to learn. Right? It's mm. it's uh, it's the whole like teach a minute to fish versus catch the fish for them that type of yeah. thing. And I remember one of my most stark memories of being a, a new leader was I was sitting in my office um, one night. I think it was like seven seven thirty, and my VP of Sales who I reported to, he was leaving for the night, and he's like, "Well, Dale, why? Are you, what are you doing here?" And I said, oh, I'm putting together this presentation for this big prospect uh, meeting that we have in like three days. Mm. And he looks at me, he, he, sit, he comes in, he sits his bang, and he sits at my desk and he goes, why isn't the rep doing this? And I said, well, it's their first big meeting and, you know, I want to make sure we do well. You know, we, we obviously want to get the client and, and get the number to our revenue and quota. And uh, he basically told me at that time, hey, you know, this is, you're never going to develop a team that can go out and execute when you're gone, when you're on vacation or when you don't want to be here at 730 at night, if you don't teach them how to do it. And so he said, what you should have done instead was had that young rep put together the presentation with a deadline of three days before. So you still had time to, you know, as the experienced person to, to tweak it, to, to be like show ready, you know, or prospect ready. Yeah, they had the experience putting it together, and you could point out, okay, here's what you know you did well. Here's what you know we should improve, and so on. So that transition to leader, I really was challenged that first year because, interestingly, because I really wanted to help, but it ended up not being super helpful for the people. That was something that I, I think uh, even leaders I've since managed myself, uh, being kind of the leader of leaders. You see that all the time. People have the right intentions when they first move mm. into leadership, but they don't, you know, sort of just like sales reps lack coaching. A lot of companies, actually, once you step into leadership, that coaching is even worse. I think the sales readiness group had a study that said that something like 74% of sales managers in the United States have not received any formal training on how mm. to lead a manager or a coach. So, um, if you're looking to go down that path, you know, it's less about, hey, you were the best rep that ever was on that team versus how effective are you at kind of teaching somebody to catch fish? 
Yeah. I love that. And the reason I love it because I've been in that same problem of wanting to be help, wanting to help, but not being helpful. And I, I kind of put it akin to a paternal sort of instinct where you have these young reps and you really want them to succeed. Uh, you know, they're struggling. So you, and then you start taking on the work I've had. And this is kind of why when I'm doing happy selling, I'd get some people asking saying, Hey, Neil, do you mind being our SDL manager for a couple of months on a contract? And I'm like, no, <laughs> I really try to steer away from that because I always say that I'm a great coach, but I don't think I'm the best manager or the best manager to have. Like I've had experience doing it and I've helped build teams and, you know, done good things in the world for companies, but it's not where I find my biggest passion. And the reason being is, I've had times where I've done projects where I'm working till 8, 10 p.m. at night, doing stuff, creating presentations, creating sequences and cadences. Um, and a lot of time when I'm speaking to my mentors, they're like, why the hell are you, similar to your VP, like, why the hell are you doing it? And I have this mentality of, well, look, if I can show them how to do it great the first time round, then hopefully this will inspire them to create and continue it thereafter. And they're like, but if you build it for them, then they're never going to learn. Right. And I'm like, but I don't know if they're going to build it. And they said, well, then you're not having faith in your team. If you want them to believe in you, you need to believe in them. Right. Like, yeah. But I just want them to be okay. And I just want them to be safe. I'm not going to be here forever. And I just want to leave a good legacy for them. So yeah, I, I can definitely <laughs> relate to that. And a VP of sales once said to me, he said, Neil, you've got a great heart, but sometimes you care too much. And I kind of struggled with that, like from a moral standpoint, because I just want to help. Um, and I remember once like sitting down with the team where they said, Neil, you are a great guy. You've got all this experience, but we don't care. <laughs> they said, honestly, like what we, where we need the help is you in the trenches with us, reviewing these calls, letting us just run with it and, you know, seeing what happens. And then when we ask for your help, that's when we need your help. And I'm like, cool. So I need to sometimes learn. And it's something I have to do in my personal life where I sometimes give unsolicited advice <laughs> because I've been through so much and I want to see people like overcome these things but i learned that you know sometimes i either i'm either there to listen or i'm there to help but i need to be asked if they want my help and i really have to try and get into that mentality as well um but yeah but how do you for a sales leader how do you get into the mindset of you know helping when it's needed versus trying to just help because you care too much i think it's just like very similar to what you brought up right is it's so in sales, we say that the skill of listening is crucial, listening to your prospect, being able to empathize and understand uh, what they're going to, what they're thinking. And that skill is highly applicable to being a sales leader in, are you really listening to what it is that you know your people are, are saying and what challenges they're running into? Are you taking that time or are you like a, a lot of organizations sort of just painting with a broad brush to say, okay, this mm -hmm. is what on as a team, which which isn't bad. A team training and development isn't a bad thing, but to really help that individual, it needs to click down, you know, and and, and meet them where they are. Uh, which is why uh, I think I work. You know, I definitely know most of my uh, private coaching clientele. That's exactly kind of the, uh, a big element that they do is missing. Is, hey, we we do get some development, but it's not really helping. Sort of where I think I need to go in the next six to twelve months. It's just like the easiest. Mm -hmm what they need. What I used to do was, you know, my one-on-ones with people, um, I usually try to separate sort of the business and the personal meeting. The week, if you did weekly one-on-ones, for example, that would be, you know, short meeting, 
very sort of business driven. Let's look at the numbers. Where do you need help to, to execute on like the near term? But I would also make sure that uh, once a quarter, and then you know, once I got a bigger team, it'd be a little less often, maybe once every uh, fiscal half, that I would be having kind of an offside. Did an offside? I went offside with my people one on one. I would just mm-hmm. go to like a coffee shop, you know, sit down. I, I you know, tell the server, "Hey, I'm going to be here a while. So just keep refilling the coffees. I'll make sure I tip you, you know, to enough to cover <laughs> like this table not turning for a few hours." But I would have my reps come and we would just sit there in this casual environment and it would be completely about that. You know, how are you feeling? What how's how are things going on at home? Are you feeling about this role? Like six months ago when we last talked, you said you wanted mm-hmm. to be here. Do you feel like you're there or we're short? And and just having those more human conversations, those a couple of things. Number one, lets them know that hey, I can talk about these things. Um, sort of gives them that that safe space to do so. Uh, but number two, you know, you as a leader start to understand, okay, well, Neil would be, you know, motivated to accomplish X because of A, mm-hmm. but Dale, he wants to accomplish X, which is, you know, looks like the same uh, output, but his motivation to do so is like Z. It's totally different from Neil mm-hmm. wants. And when you can connect with the people in that way, it makes them more willing to tell you what they need help makes you then more willing to say, hey, here's exactly kind of where I'm missing. Because I think a lot of reps, they kind of have this like, ooh, I don't want to be, I don't want to stand out and make it seem Mm. my leader think I didn't get that. Or, you know, how come I'm not to this level with my other three peers? You see this with a lot of new hires. They Mm. compare each other to each other. Oh, well, Neil's been here two months less than me, but he seems to get this, so I I don't want to go and talk to my manager about that because I don't want to make it seem like this rookie is better than me in this area. So yeah. you have to really create that space where people are willing to say these things. Then you can really hone in on help that's helpful and yeah. with that theme. I love that. I love that. And I think, like you said, like getting to know the individual and knowing what motivates them, what makes them tick. And, you know, with a one-to-one being about business review, like numbers, metrics, where you at, where do you need help to, like you said, execute on certain things? And then having the opportunity to like go take them for a coffee. I've done this with a lot of my reps as well, where we'll have like an SDR meeting, which is a whole team. Then we'll do one-to-ones, which will be 30 minutes, and it's finding out where they are and what the bottlenecks are. Um, but I always make it an effort that if I went to go visit the client, um, I take the team out individually throughout the week for one-on-ones, or we go for a lunch, we either go for a dinner, and, you know, the the first question I'd always, the way that I'd put it would be like, look, Dale, I'm going to take my sales manager hat off and you're just now speaking to Neil. I just want to know, how are you doing? And normally what would come out of their mouth is, you know, job's really good. I'm doing this. I'm learning that. I said, okay, forget the job for a minute. I'm going to ask you again, how are you doing? And it's normally at this point that they start opening up about, you know, okay, yeah, it's like really scary in this job and this new startup environment is something I'm not used to and I'm really struggling getting my routine and timing on and, you know, I'm seeing such and such do this and such and such do that. And I love to bring in the reminder of, now this is a, a saying which I used to really struggle with when I was a young sales rep, of somebody saying, stay in your lane. Right, Because when I first heard that and I was like, why the hell do I have to stay in my lane? I found it as a derogative statement. That's how I saw it. I was like, I want to go in any lane that I want to go. I don't want anybody to tell me not to go into my lane. Um, But what I mean by that now and what I've come to understand is by staying in your lane is focusing on you. Like everybody else who is in their own lane, 
you know, has different experiences, has different backgrounds and has different stories as to how they got to where they are. And nobody is the same. And I would say to them, that's what makes you unique. So yeah, such and such rep may be getting more replies or such and such has booked more meetings in a short space of time compared to this, but they've all come to their own conclusion on how to do that. And what you want to figure out is how do you make it work for you? So, you know, you can emulate certain points of what this rep is doing. You can try and shadow some certain elements, but it's kind of like a script where I'm not really a big fan of scripts. The point of a script is to learn what's to be said or the principle behind it, you know, the nuances between it. And then you kind of figure out your style. So that adds to a point where it becomes so ingrained in you the way that you do your own talk track that you don't need to look at a script, right? And I also say this with reps with your role. So with prospecting, with doing discovery calls, like you can have a framework or you can have a script to kind of keep you reminding what you should be doing at that point, but you make it your own style. And once they become comfortable with that and they know they're not going to be castrated for not doing a certain thing in a certain way, they start to become comfortable and then you start seeing the confidence grow. But, you know, they may then get to the end of that and say, oh my God, Neil, like I've hit my target and I put this meeting and I finally got it. I'm able to do it. And I'm like, cool. But what you need to now do is keep it consistent and you're going to continuously learn. Don't get complacent. The moment you become comfortable is the moment you become complacent, right? So, um, yeah. So hopefully for, for reps out there, if you're going into this new world, like learn as much as you can, but remember to stay in your lane by what we mean by that is focusing on you, making yourself better. There is nobody higher or greater than you or lower than you. Like everybody has their own levels and you know, you get to it. I could digress and go on and this could become a motivational speech now, but yeah, we believe in you. Um, but what I'd love to know is, you know, working in these companies of sales leadership and then how did it kind of go into the coaching side? How did you come to the conclusion of, right, I want to do this for myself to help other salespeople. How did you make that transition down? So, you know, when I first uh, moved from independent sort of production into leadership, I remember uh, after the first couple of years, because um, it can be a high, you know, high pressure situation to be a sales leader, right? And I remember one day my wife kind of came to me and she said, I don't understand. Um, why don't you just go back to being a rep? I said, what do you mean? She's like, well, you make a little less money now because, you know, I, I was always an advocate that your top performing rep should, should out earn their direct sales leader. Mm. Big fat of compliance that skew that way. So she said, you make a little less now, but you have like 10 times the responsibility. <laughs> like, yeah. Why are you doing this? And, um, you know, what that really made, kind of crystallized for me, made clear for me is that I love kind of taking what I know and helping other people get to these goals that they have in particular because my experience was I had to kind of go out and find coaches and mentors of my own because the company that or the direct leader I was assigned wasn't interested or capable or you know whatever it might be so to fill that role especially when I was uh, independent production level so uh, even early on in my sales leadership career I just really found that I had this huge passion for helping people um, do things that maybe they, they didn't think uh, were possible or sort of reach things, uh, reach the goals that they had. And, uh, you know, I started to to get really work alongside teams. And, you know, they, I think earlier you mentioned that uh, you're kind of like a sales therapist, right? And I laughed mm. at that because 
I mean, I've had people tell me uh, for my for one of them, I'm daily signed for our weekly therapy session because it's, you know, <laughs> it's for them and it helps them uh, work through challenges and things like that. Yeah. Um, and then I realized, you know, uh, so a couple of things happened in my life. Number one, I, I had a, a daughter. Well, I thought high school sweethearts. We've been together a long time, but we we just put off having kids uh, for mm. a while. And uh, I just remember kind of looking around, and, and my wife is off during the weekdays because she's a veterinarian, so clinics are, are usually busiest on the weekend. Mm. And I just found myself thinking, boy, so I'm never going to have the days off with my wife, yeah, spend time with my daughter, and make an income that I'd want to make. I don't know that corporate America will say, hey, you could take two weekdays off a week. <laughs> 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 You know, we'll still pay you X. Um, so yeah. that was part of it. But the other part was that I also came to realize that although helping people in the team that I, I had, so I had a company where I was the, the leader, uh, is great, you're also still kind of limited to just those individuals at that company. Yeah. Um, and what I was finding was, you know, throughout my career, people who used to report to me would still call me, say, hey, yeah. you know, looking for help or, you know, I'm stuck here or I don't know quite like how to, you know, take this next step. And I thought, well, you know, if, if I can provide value to people outside of my own organization mm-hmm. and people all over, right? I mean, here in Hawaii, it's beautiful, but you're also the, we're the most geographically isolated population center in the world. <laughs> so, you know, sort of helping people across uh, different industries and geographies. Um, and that's where I decided, hey, it's a good time. I'm going to go and... Uh, start this, you know, coaching, consulting business, help as many people from as many backgrounds as I can, but be my own, you know, sole partner and, and um, control my own schedule so I can spend time with my, my wife and daughter. Um, so it was really just a great and a perfect merging of this passion I always had to help others be better um, with owning my own business. And came together and said, hey, let's let's go do this stuff. And, you know, with the with COVID uh, and the huge shift to like remote work and things like that, I also saw this opportunity it became more glaring to me when I look at social media, things like that, that mm. there is a lot, there still exists a lot of bad sales advice. Mm. Uh, and it proliferates faster now because of social media. So, and you know, I won't call anybody out by name, but I'm sure you might mm. go think a couple of people too, where I look mm. at their content and, and they'll say, oh, here's how to handle an objection. And, They'll say things like, oh, if they tell you too, it's too expensive, just tell them, well, it's because it's too expensive is why you should do it. And I just like want to bang my head against the wall. That's not, that is not how a sales professional mm. who is there to help the client like actually handles an objection. It's so part of mm. it. It's also like me seeing, wow, there, there are a lot of people out there that either don't have the coaching they deserve, they're getting bad coaching in um, and if in some small way I can help even just a handful of those folks every month, you know, avoid that path. Um, yeah. I'd love to do that. So. I love that. And like similar to yourself, um, the reason that I kind of got into this gig was I wanted to work with more than just one company. You know, like I had a dream of being in different startups and stuff like that, but then having to be the manager, having to go through the career, the progression and all of that, I wanted to move at a quicker rate. And whilst I was working for one software company, we had a sales tool and my job was to train salespeople how to use it. So we got to work with companies like Neopost, Xerox, all these different companies. We'd learn different sales techniques from their VPs of sales and we'd meet their sales reps. 
And I kind of got into this thing of just like, I love working with other sales reps other than in my own company. And, you know, where they would be asking for advice. Um, and then I'd say like, look, my job is to train you how to use a software, not how I do sales. But I don't mind helping out because it's fun. And, you know, and when they email you back saying, yeah, we've got results. Thanks for the coaching. Thanks for the advice. But keep it My boss is going to get annoyed if he finds out that I'm giving a free consultancy out there. Um, and then similar to yourself, I had my son, Blake. Um, and I kind of, I remember looking at my paycheck and thinking, I'm earning, I'm in a higher salaried position, but I'm getting taxed more by the government. And I was just like, this doesn't make sense. I should be earning more, but I'm earning less, right? And I've got another mouth to feed. And I also thought to myself, I want to spend more time with my son because this job was taking up a lot of my life. And I was like, I want to be here as he's growing up. I want to be able to give him time. And, you know, going to a company and saying, hey, can I only work two, three days a week? And they're like, you want to work part time? Why? And I'm like, because I want to spend time with my son. You know, I want to see him grow up and stuff. They're like, oh, okay. Um, and, you know, you may be scared to think that a company may look down on that. And some companies understand it. Like, uh, don't get me wrong, my company that I was working at the time, they could facilitate it. But then the earning potential wouldn't be there to support the life that I want with my kids and family at the time. So taking the jump and then, you know, having your first client and then a couple of months later, you're working two or three clients. And what I found was so cool that I wasn't subjected just to one team. I was working with multiple teams. So whatever I learned in team A... I could share with team B and if something was taught from C, I learned some from C, I could share it all around. And then I just got into this addiction of just one of trying to work with one to many, as many as I could possibly do. And I'm still doing it today. And I'm very grateful for doing that. And there always comes that question of, hey, Neil, we love what you're doing. You're motivating team. Would you consider ever working here? And I'd be like, no. <laughs> I was like, because this is my dream. This is what I love doing and, you know, selecting your time. But at the same time, uh, advice that I'd give to any of our listeners and watchers that are thinking about going into a solopreneur gig or, you know, doing a consultancy, I push people to do it, you know, but I'd also say this is a very scary world because you are, you know, based on clients that you get in, if they want to renew, if you can find new clients as well, there's never a particular paycheck you're going to get. You're not going to get a pension. You're not going to get the insurance and all this stuff. You have to kind of do this yourself. You are literally building your business and it's based on work coming in and with COVID, it completely screwed me up because nobody at that point in time was looking for an SDR coach. They were looking for an SDR manager. I was like, I don't do that anymore. And I had to take one client to do it because the work wasn't there. And, you know, that's another story that can be told. But um, it's fun. I think being a sales coach is fun. Uh, and I always have this thing of, you know, similar to yourself where you say on social media, there is a lot of advice going out there. And sometimes I cringe at some things I hear and other things enlighten me. I think, oh, do you know what? I've never thought of that before. And the way that I see it with sales coaches is it's kind of like, you know, with martial arts, you have different styles. You have karate, you have kung fu, you have um, Wing Chun, which is one of my favorites as well. And I remember watching, uh, I don't know if it, our listeners, and I'm, this is going to sound completely off tangent here, but there's a, a Wing Chun uh, with Ip Man, which is one of my favorite films and martial art films. And there's this thing of where they go into a certain city and you've got all these senseis, right? And all these shifus teaching different styles of Kung Fu. And each school was coming up to each school saying, my style is better than yours. We can beat you. And, you know, we are the best and et cetera, et cetera. And we, we, we're the, uh, the, the big guys out there. And over the years, Dale, I've kind of seen that with a lot of other sales coaches 
Whereas like our style is the best, we provide this, we can do this. And I've always been a thought of, I like taking different bits of different styles and then creating your own thing. So I don't ever think there's the best style and there are different methodologies. And some methodologies I look at and think that's a little bit outdated, but you know what? It could work for them. It could work for the teams that they're servicing and the way that it's working. But um, I think like whenever I meet a sales coach such as yourself, I'm wondering, I wonder what their dojo's like. And I wonder how they train and, you know, what's their style and stuff like that. But it's that element of mutual respect that you're in the same field and you've got your own style, but it's also, you know, the, the persona of that person. So coming across your TikTok, um, you're very approachable, you're very warm, like there isn't any sense of ego behind you that I see or I've had so far from you. And I love those sort of things. Whilst with other coaches, no names mentioned, there are some people that I would not want to meet you in real life because I don't think we're going to get on, you know. It's just part and parcel. Um, but I, I also wanted to ask, um, uh, first points are coming back to like the coaching and mentoring piece. For our audience out there, what advice would you give to finding a coach mentor, which may not be internal in your company today because to your point, your manager may not have the time or they don't really want to do it. What advice would you give to finding other coaches out there? Yeah, you could definitely start you know, on, on social platforms. LinkedIn is a great one, right? There are a lot of people who uh, actually offer a lot of good content, a lot of great uh, advice on there. And I would say, you know, take some time to sort of absorb that. And when you find yourself gravitating toward particular individuals, might be a handful of them, might just be one in particular, like you get up and the first thing you do is you want to check their profile to see like mm-hmm. another tip or, or uh, you know, thought leadership piece they post and things like that. That might be somebody you know that um, could fulfill that role for them. if they're not a direct coach, um, and maybe they don't offer it as a service, or you know that's not really like what they're looking to do. Mm. Uh, I can't tell you how many super meaningful coffees I've had. You know, in, in today's world, virtual coffee meetings I've had with people that it, it's just a quick half hour, and but I still take some nugget away that I'm like, oh, okay, this is this is good. I'm going to incorporate this, or I never mm. thought of it that way. So. You can, you know, short of, if you can't find somebody who's willing to be sort of like a dedicated coach or that's not a service that they offer, uh, a lot of sales professionals especially are still willing to help via just having sort of casual chats back and forth. So mm-hmm. finding those thought leaders that you resonate with and connect with um, and having those conversations can be great. Now, in terms of um, like your media circle, uh, I think it's also taking a look at you can find a mentor or a coach that doesn't necessarily have a sales background. They don't have sales in the title. There mm. are great people out there that have natural sort of sales capability, but maybe they're entrepreneurs and they rock businesses. Yeah. Um, and those people in your circle that you could tap into, especially people of really high uh, business acumen. They just mm. sort of understand they have a great grasp of like how businesses function, how they look at revenue. Because ultimately, I think that's a gap too for a lot of sales professionals is they didn't really do it on like the product and the service and the contracts. But then the next level up is, okay, how do you tile that to an actual business conversation with somebody that's thinking about their P&Ls and, and so on? So, mm. you know, looking for a mentor, if there's not like a sales coach or something like that, look for somebody that uh, just has really good business presence, has, has strong business acumen that can help guide you there. And then, of course, you know, um, there are sales coaches like like yourself and, my, and I uh, who offer it as a service. So, um, but really find the one that you sort of connect with the resident. I think the great thing about 
video, uh, number one, not only um, is it a good tool as a sales professional to use, but I think one of the good things video and social media has done is given you an opportunity to see what people are like before you even, you know, spend that time reaching out to them. Right? Yeah. Also, my clients that have reached out to me for private coaching, uh, when I get into that that first actual call with them, one of their comments I usually answer was, "Oh, you know, what made you reach out?" Yeah. yeah. Thebus, well, I saw a lot of your content and I just appreciate your approach. I appreciate the way you carry yourself, the way you communicate, the way you break things down is is resonates with how I think I would learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now the flip side of that, if you're looking for a coach, I highly encourage you to do that. Look for people that you can see them give a talk or, or they're on social media like TikTok or whatever. And, and does their style sort of resonate with you? Because again, um, Another piece of advice would be you don't necessarily looking for somebody who can quote unquote fix your weaknesses. Mm. Look for somebody that can enhance your strengths. Mm. Actually, in behavioral study, you get a lot more ROI um, further enhancing your strengths than you do trying to like fix your weaknesses. So, yeah, look for somebody that aligns with that. Thank you. So, so, solid advice though, because. um, it's a thing that I try to instill in SDRs that I speak to or I'm either mentoring or something is, you know, on LinkedIn, there's a lot of content for sales. Like, again, if we're a sales rep, we're going to follow sales leaders. We're going to follow sales gurus, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I always try to tell them to expand their mind, think just outside of sales as well. So with me, I have different mentors or people that I follow because I'm impressed with their work ethic. So I have my personal trainer who does gym and fitness And he's always just spewing positivity and mindset, you know, conditioning to see the best in everything and like pushing yourself further. He's not a sales guy. He runs his own business. And I always think you'd be a great sales guy, dude. But, you know, he's in a different industry. And then obviously with my passion of music, I know a lot of artists that are really successful. They've sold millions, et cetera. And just seeing their work rate, their consistency, these are things that inspire me to want to do things, but then implement that into my sales life but also other facets in my life as well. So, you know, uh, with people out there, like we may follow a certain CEO, not because they're a great salesperson, but it's just their energy that they give when they're motivating their employees. You know, I will listen to mindfulness and meditation teachers like Andy Puddicombe from Headspace because he's a guy that can calm me down because all of these attributes can help enhance me, like you said, enhance these strengths for myself rather than just focus on my weaknesses. So, look outside of sales as well for your mentors, your idols, and, you know, being on social media, which I, I want to kind of come on to as a final topic of giving advice about social media, um, with platforms like TikTok, like similar to yourself, I went through that experience of, you know, coming across you on TikTok, watching a couple of videos, loving your process, your mindset, the way you speak to it. It's kind of like a try before you buy. And similarly, where I've had people, I ask them the, you know, the inbound lead question of how did you find out about happy selling? They said, oh, our reps listen to your podcast and we've checked you out on Instagram. We've seen some of your content on LinkedIn. And I'm like, oh, the power of content wins again. Yay. <laughs> but you need to make yourself approachable uh, as well. Um, and trying to be as on, I'm trying to be on as many platforms as I can to try and reach people that I may not have known just because it's not on LinkedIn, right? Uh, but kind of coming on to the topic that I'd love to discuss is TikTok and to get your advice. So I'm still what we call a newbie to TikTok. Um, and I even had a rep reach out to me the other week, like, no, I love your content. Like, 
how do you do it? And like, what's your style? What tips would you give me? And I was like, Benjamin, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just creating quick videos. I'm putting them up there and they're getting a couple of likes. That's all I know. But you're somebody who is consistent. And like, uh, for our guests, if you're watching screens right now, there is so much free knowledge coming from Dale. Like, how did you, what made you get on TikTok? And what advice would you give to anybody, be it sales or thinking about jumping into social media to give a bit of advice and coaching? How did you get onto TikTok and what advice would you give being on TikTok there? Um, I started with my social selling on Instagram and, and uh, was producing content there. And, you know, obviously, you know, I always heard about TikTok and things like that. And um, to maximize sort of the, the time investment in the materials I was putting together for Instagram, I thought, oh, I could repurpose a lot of that content and put that on TikTok. It's kind of how it started. What I keep to find with TikTok, though, um, at least for me, was it it feels like a platform that it could be a lot less polished, a lot more organic. Like literally, I'll think of an idea, so I'm going to record this. And sure, mm-hmm. you go in, you put the captions, you cut out the pauses, but it doesn't have to be this like well-polished sort of um, thing. And so the advice I have for people is like just start, if you were thinking about getting into video, TikTok is great because the barrier of entry is super low. Like the app has everything you, you need to, even if you don't want, if you don't need fancy captions, it has the auto caption functionality, all that. Just mm-hmm. start recording because if you're any like me, your first 20 videos will totally suck. It, it'll take you. <laughs> Same uh, You know, when I shared a link to the other day, a screenshot of my camera roll, and it's just like my constantly face in these videos because it was in repeat. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's like narcissist uh, Kimber old, but uh, <laughs> you just you know, advice is just get started because it's gonna suck for a start. You're gonna go, oh, yeah, I see that. That sounded kind of dumb. Um, and you know, if you have thought leadership, if you're somebody, you know, if you take a stance and say, "Hey, here's how to do something. Here's how to think about something," uh, just get that out there. The most successful, you know, TikTok. You never, you're never gonna send the algorithm because they're changing you constantly. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have no, there's no random reason to me, like what videos the algorithm spreads and what it seems to like bury. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, as you look at my profile mobile, you see the pinned videos, those three pinned videos that have the most views. When I first posted them, I would never have thought, oh, those are like the most, those are going to be the most popular videos. So, mm-hmm. uh, and for whatever reason on the, on the web of view, it doesn't show you like which videos are pinned. Yeah. When I had one about comparing sales to solving a Rubik's Cube. And I thought, I just put that together because I'm like, I, you know, I'm kind of dirty and I like the Ruby skews. I'll put this together. Yeah. It ended up being a really popular video. So, your advice there is just get started. Don't worry so much about the algorithm. You, what you're looking for is, hey, do you get people who comment and say, hey, this is really helpful? Do you get people who yeah. DM you and say, because 90% of social media users are learners. They actually are consuming and getting value from your content, but they're never mm. going to press the like button or share button or make a comment. Yeah. So uh, if you have something of value to share, you know, get started, right? It's it's kind of a snowball effect of um, sort of wrapping up your audience and you're going to take time and energy to figure out what your style is, your delivery. And again, your first 20 videos are going to be totally uh, cringe if you go back and look at this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I 100% agree because I kind of did the whole Instagram thing first because I said Facebook was dead. And then I realized after watching a lot of Gary V that Instagram is dying 
uh, and then TikTok. And I kind of shied away from TikTok when it was a pandemic toy. That's the best way I can put it. There was just a lot of dance videos and I was just like, uh, I can't do this. But then I thought, right, I'm going to go back into it. And I remember speaking to my head of marketing and I said to her, I said, Liz, I have no idea what I'm doing. And I know a lot of these videos may be considered shit, right? Because I have no idea what I'm doing, but I don't really care, but I just need to be consistent. And I know in a couple of months time, videos will get better and better. I just need to be constant, consistent with it and just keep going, 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 watch other people, take bits from them, trying to incorporate into mine. And I love what you said about those lurkers, because this is a, a term that I learned when I used to work in radio, where we would call them silent listeners. And it's probably for even with this show right now, I guarantee there are at least a lot of silent listeners that watch all of these episodes and listen to the podcast. They love the content, but they don't like, <laughs> they don't comment. And then over time, they start getting passionate about it, and then they start doing that. And I've started noticing with my TikTok where people I wouldn't even dream would view or rate or like myself similar to yourself like uh, when you started coming back i was like oh my god sales with delve likes my stuff this is really cool um so yeah you know just keep doing it and i think the advice i was given is don't try and do a video that is speaking to an entire audience do the videos if you're talking to the individual so the person that comes across it feels like it's something personal for them that they can learn and take away from and i've changed a couple of things and again i'm no by any stretch an expert uh, but I'm enjoying it, the journey. And again, it's brought relationships like this and us connecting and coming onto the show. It's absolutely beautiful. So um, coming uh, kind of, we've learned a hell of a lot from you, Dale. So again, appreciate it. Um, before we go into the typical three bits of advice that you'd give to a younger version of yourself, I wanted you to give an opportunity of like, how do I, if I'm a listener or a watcher and I want to learn about more about sales and sales coaching, how's best to get in contact with you, sir? Uh, yeah, so I'm on all the major social platforms, uh, you know, at Sales with Dale on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. And then, uh, you know, I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me by name there. Uh, my website is salesmasterycoaching.com, you know, the way that you can uh, reach out to me and uh, I learned a little bit more about my background and my story. Um, but yeah, I mean, those are they're definitely the, the most common ways to, to reach out to me. Uh, it's hard to find a, a social platform I'm not on, so just uh, look me up there, and the, you know you'll see this face at some point, and uh, yeah, it's reach out. And even if you know you're sort of on the fence about, hey, is coaching the right thing for me? Um, you know, we can I'm happy to just have a chat, and if anything just points you in the right direction, you know, if, if now is not the right time, hey, here's some resources that, that would still be helpful for you. Perfect, thank you, Dale. And again, listeners and watchers, I'll be making sure that we put all of Dale's links into the show notes and into the YouTube description. So if you want to check it out, you want to have chat with Dell, please feel free to reach out. So Dell, as we have come into the end of a beautiful chapter uh, with yourself, could you tell us what would be your three bits of advice that you would give to that younger sales, Dale, way back in the day, who's just about to embark on their sales journey? So three pieces of advice. The number one, um, don't feel like you have to sort of, you have to learn I trial by fire. Like when I first got started, it was, oh, okay, you know, I went to this boot camp and this is a sink or swim environment. So I was going to put my head down, put in the sweat equity. Uh, and, 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 you know, I'm not saying that you can't make it there, but when I reflect back, if I had just, I don't know if it was ego or maybe youthful, like, you know, just kind of go getting, you know, attitude. Mm. But I look back and I had, if I rewound the clock and went back and found like a coach or a mentor to help me in year one, I probably could have moved up my 
in terms of like my personal income growth and acceleration, probably would have been moved up by a few years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but I felt like, no, I make this on my own. Like I'm this you know, sales rep, I'm feet on the street. I'm going to make this happen. So yeah. don't be afraid to, you know, it's not a reflection on you. Sales is tough, right? I mean, the, the average, what like shelf life, the person you in sales is like two years in there, right? Um, there are 14 million people in the United States that have the title of sales, you know, in their, in their job role. And it's, it's a tough industry. So don't feel like you have to go it alone would be, uh, advice number one. Um, Number two is I'm going to, it bears worth repeating, so I'm going to echo something I said earlier, is you really need to be focused, and to borrow your phrase, uh, you know, sustain your lane. Like, put mm-hmm. the blinders on, be focused on what it is that you can control, because there's going to be so many things trying to convince you, give you excuses as to why it's okay to not pick up that phone today, right? It just mm-hmm. happened on Friday. I was working with a client of mine, and I was like, okay, so what are your plans for the rest of the day? Oh, well, you know, because it's about to be a three-day weekend, you know, because uh, we have Labor Day today in the States, uh, I'm probably not going to hit the folds. I'll just do some work for these like that. But why wouldn't you? Like, what, what, like, where is the, you know, why would you do that? And so, oh, because I heard from everybody, it's, a, you know, on my team that it's a, it's a bad day to call, like, you mm. call for Friday, whatever. <laughs> and it's like, okay. But have you ever tried seeing what results it would generate for yourself or are you just taking the word of like these other folks, right? Yeah. Um, back to my first role, right? Oh, you were the the, the crap rookie territory. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, you just do well enough to get to the better the next one. Yeah. I actually was the first person to ever go to President's Club out of that territory. That supposed ah. crappy territory. So, yeah. Put on your binders. Focus on what you can control. A big topic of conversation right now is right is economic downturn. Hey, I. I nobody is influential enough to like affect whether or not we're going to go into a recession. So instead of worrying mm. about that and using that as a potential excuse as to why you're not going to do things, get focus on what you can control. Yeah, uh, and be kind of the master of your own sort of destiny. There. Uh, and the third piece of advice I would give to people is try to find you know not to sound super cliche, but try to find your internal motivation for wanting to be successful in sales. Hmm. I your why, you know, if I were to borrow a phrase, yep. uh, because money, a lot of us get into, I certainly did for money and, and the economic reward is there. It's something that's attractive. But from my experience working with people, it only kind of takes you so far. Yeah. Uh, because this is, you know, it can be, it's going to be an up and down roller coaster kind of emotion. You're going to have good managers, bad managers. You're going to, you're going to have deals that you do everything right and still lose. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I certainly had those. So being able to find something beyond the monetary that will fuel your motivation, give you that armor to like weather the, the hits and the, and the low times uh, is going to be what I think carries you past that that typical dropout of sales careers around year two. Yeah. Because anybody I've known that sort of made an ass that year two, three and, and kept working at it, I mean, they've had now, you know, careers and, and lives that, that they may not have had other ones, you know, especially yeah. because of that potential income. So um, you could be in, get into sales because you are interested in earning, but find, you know, find something else soon. Because if it's just about money, eventually you're going to go, ah, oh, it's just not worth the money. So yeah. like going through these challenges. So, uh, yeah. And, you know, uh, just a fourth tip. Sorry, I know you'll ask for three, but no, no, if you like getting into sales, 
and you don't have any experience, go be an SDR. I've written content and I've said this on the video. If I had been an SDR 15 years ago, that would have been uh, a great situation because as a full cycle AE, you have to like learn the whole book, right? And you have yeah. pressure quota. Uh, and being able to prospect and build your pipeline is such an invaluable skill you'll need at your whole career. So if you're thinking about getting into sales, go be an SDR, learn how to prospect and build your own pipeline. I learned to deal with those rejections because that's going to set you up for future. Even enterprise AEs, right? The, I think, I forgot who it is, just to study that. The most successful enterprise AEs still spend like 27% of their day prospecting. So no matter how lofty your goal is one day, mm. that skill set is going to be something you're going to use forever. So might as well go do it uh, in a short amount of time of all learning or be an STR. Hallelujah, Dale. I 100% agree with all four things. We've got an extra bonus one from you as well. So thank you very much for that. Um, and are there any kudos or shout outs you'd like to give out on today's show? Um, you know, I think uh, obviously, you know, following your content here with Happy Selling is is a great resource, I think. But other Thank creators, uh, especially on LinkedIn, that I think are doing a great job. Uh, Landed Meyer is uh, great. He's uh, over with Nook, and he does uh, you know a lot of great content around uh, prospecting and being an STR. Uh, in terms of companies, I like I really enjoy companies like Lavender.ai. Uh, mm -hmm. Not only do I think that they're doing a good job helping people be better at emailing, cold emailing, but their content is just fun. You know, adds some levity to the day uh, in, in a, you know, in a profession that can be challenging. So uh, I think those are a couple of folks that are, if you're not already following or kind of keeping track of out there, worth checking out. Thank you so much, Dale. And also a massive thank you to our listeners and watchers on today's chapter of the SDR Disco Call Show. If you'd like this episode, please make sure that you give us a like and a rating in your local podcast platform, wherever that may be. If you're on our YouTube channel, please give us a like, comment and subscribe and put a comment down below or any questions for Dale. And as a reminder, we'll be putting all of Dale's links into the show notes if you want to connect with him or review his content or perhaps be that silent listener and watcher. Check him out and then go connect with him like I did. All right, but Dale, thank you so much for being a guest on today's show. I hope you have a great day, week, happy selling, and also aloha. Thank you, Vlad. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the SDR Disco Call podcast today. We would like to get this message out to more and more sales development reps, so please like, comment, and share in your local podcast provider. If you don't want to miss a show, you can always send a blank email to SDR Disco Call, one word, at bcast, which is B-C-A-S-T dot email, and you'll be added to our mailing list. We're also on the lookout for new guests, so if you work in the world of sales development as an SDR, BDR, MDR, or ADR, and feel that you have an important message or story to share, feel free to email us at podcast at happyselling.io, and we'd love to have you on board.